Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. The big news story this year has been the leaked initial draft majority opinion that was written by Justice Sam Alito that appears to show that the Supreme Court's about ready to overturn Roe versus Wade. Now, as we record this, that has the, the official announcement has not yet been made. The final decision has not yet been rendered. But that does appear that's what's going to happen. Of course, pro-life Christians are rejoicing at that because that, you know they've seen Roe versus Wade as an unconstitutional ruling. Why does the issue of abortion, which, of course, is the focal point of Roe versus Wade, why does it matter so much to Christians, particularly oneness Pentecostals? And in that answer, could you uh, share how you feel Christians should respond to the basic premise of the pro-choice argument, which is that abortion is a private matter and that nobody other than the woman who's seeking the abortion should have a say? Well, first and foremost, we go to the Bible for our answers, and the Bible teaches us that the child in the womb is a human being, is a child, has life from God. And so our pro-life position is that once a child has been conceived in the womb, that child has an existence of its own, is a living soul, and therefore it would be a sin to take that life. Uh, Even from a scientific perspective, is that uh, child alive? Yes. Is that child human? Yes, it's not anything else. So even scientifically, that what that woman is carrying in her womb is a human child. And therefore, it would be a violation of ethics um, and, of course, uh, moral law to, to take that life. Now, where do we get that position? Aside from that basic common sense, scientific-based argument, uh, Psalm 139 is quite specific. It says, God formed us when we were in our mother's womb, that he already knew us. He already knew the life we would live, and he actually created us or formed us. So from God's perspective, that child in the womb is, in fact, a child, a human being. And we see this also, uh, the book of Jeremiah. God told that uh, Jeremiah that from your mother's womb, I knew you, I called you, I sanctified you, I had a plan for your life. The same with John the Baptist in the accounts uh, in Luke's gospel, for instance. Um, uh, The baby was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. That's not a New Testament experience, but that's about God working in his life to to, uh, cause him to be a prophet. And in fact, when uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was carrying Jesus and came to Elizabeth, the mother of John, who, when she was carrying him in the womb, the babe leaped in the womb. So there's a sense that even though obviously the unborn child is not conscious in the same way we are, there was a spiritual connection of recognizing his Lord and Messiah. And so these and other indications show us from the Bible's perspective that child is indeed a human being and we should preserve his or her life. Now, uh, to the argument that well, that's the mother's body. I've already explained. That's a human being. 
so um, we do believe, of course, uh, that the sexual relationship should be confined to marriage. But we live in a pluralistic society that doesn't agree with that. Even so, what we would say, yes, the woman has a choice when to have sex. And yes, the woman has a choice to use contraceptives. And even though we would not uh, want to um, do anything that would interfere once the, the, the egg has been fertilized, uh, we would say there shouldn't be any interference. But as a practical matter, even after a woman has sex, uh, there are immediate measures that can be taken that no one would know about to prevent uh, conception or end the conception. So the point is, as a practical matter, the woman has several points of choice. But once that child has been conceived, she has already made her choice. And now another human being's rights take or should be equal to hers. Now, the, the argument is just the same. What if a child is born one minute after birth? Can we kill that baby? Well, the law says no. Well, but all the re- reasons why you would have abortion. What if that child was born of rape? What if that child was born of incest? What if that child has a mental or physical defect that maybe he's not even known until birth? Uh, what if the mother can't afford that child? What if it would? it's a single mom who's living in poverty and so the child is doomed to a miserable existence and the woman truly doesn't want that child and the child's likely to be mistreated and abused, et cetera, et cetera. All those arguments for abortion still apply one minute after birth, right? So if those are going to take precedence, well, then infanticide would be okay as it was in the ancient Roman Empire at the time of Christ. Now, if all those reasons are not okay, why not? And we say because the child has its own existence. But really, one minute after it's born versus one minute before it's born, is there really a difference in its existence? That's that's quite arbitrary. But the proponents of Roe v. Wade, and, and by the way, Roe v. Wade actually did say the state could regulate abortion um, after the first trimester. But the current proponents of abortion are actually arguing up till the very moment of birth, abortion should be legal. And so they believe in what's called partial birth abortion, which not to be too graphic, but what it means is a baby can be partially delivered. So the head can be delivered and the doctor can insert scissors in the base of the skull, create a hole, extract the brain, kill the baby. So before the baby comes out of the womb 100%, it's dead. That's considered an abortion. That's considered legal in some jurisdictions. But logically, whether you kill the baby, you know, one minute before birth or during birth, like I just described, or one minute after birth, is there really any scientific or biblical distinction? No. In fact, Peter Singer, who's a well-known uh, ethicist at Harvard University, a professor, argues that uh, we should create a law that says for several days after birth, the child should not be considered human to give us time to see if that child has some kind of defect that, that we don't think its life is worthwhile. That's where we're headed to that. So if you're going to look at a scientific basis or a biblical basis, you have to draw the line at conception. 
And, and so my counter argument to the woman's right, I do believe in the woman's right to choose whether to have sex or not, to choose whether to have birth control or not. And perhaps even uh, in certain cases, she can take some immediate action, like in the case of rape, to try to prevent the conception. So there are choice points. But once that baby is alive, is conceived, and has a soul, is a soul, then uh, that baby has a right to life just like you and I have a right to life or just like the baby that's one minute old has a right to life. And so that becomes equal to the mother's right. Now, there are other cases like that. Uh, Siamese twins are, are conjoined with the same body. Could one kill the other? Um, and you could think of other cases where even a small child is totally dependent upon its mother. Um, uh, and uh, say a, a child that's breastfeeding um, in, in a place where there, there is another, uh, no other alternative uh, for feeding. Well, that child is physically attached to the mother, but yet still that child has a life. So the argument, well, this is my body. Um, that is never an absolute argument when you have another human being involved in the picture as you do here. And so I do believe, uh, and, and I'll make a further comment. You know, I went to law school, became a lawyer, and I was in law school uh, 78 to 81, so Roe v. Wade was still fairly new. And although uh, most of my professors and classmates probably would be have been liberal and in favor of abortion, there was a consensus from a legal perspective, it was a very poor decision because it found a right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution, where which doesn't even mention it. And at the time of the U.S. Constitution, uh, states generally forbade abortion. It was well known that that the government could regulate or forbid abortion. So just as a legal matter, strictly on the basis of the law, uh, it was a very poor decision. Uh, and I think that's what the U.S. Supreme Court is saying now, that uh, this is a judgment that has to be left to the political system. Um, as a matter of law, we can't say the, the, the U.S. Constitution uh, requires abortion up to the moment of birth. Uh, of course, for us, the Bible supersedes all other considerations, and we believe the Bible establishes the life of the unborn child in the womb. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.